From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome, and thank you for making Washington Watch a part of your day. Well, coming up on this Tuesday edition, on almost every topic in Washington, there are usually two diametrically opposed views. The collapse of the woke Silicon Valley Bank and the subsequent government bailout is no exception. What we did in a short period of time is extraordinary. I think that that should be seen as a very positive thing. What is possible for government to do uh, to solve problems? That was House Financial Services Committee ranking member Maxine Waters yesterday on CBS's Red and Blue. But former FDIC chair Sheila Baer had a much different take on yesterday Yesterday on uh, why uh, Yahoo Finance. We're seeing more banks now experiencing runs on their uninsured deposits, so we may have more shoes to drop here. That's, that's a problem when you do kind of these one-off interventions, bailouts. I would call it a bailout. It makes other banks and other bank depositors jittery, so it's not clear that this calm nerves. It may have uh, created uh, more uh, fear about risk in the banking systems. So, which is it? Well, we're going to talk about it with Ohio Congressman Warren Davidson, a member of the House Financial Services Committee. Embrace yourself. In the midst of banks going bankrupt, President Biden went on The Daily Show revealing moral bankruptcy when he attacked efforts by Florida to protect children from experimental, irreversible transgender surgeries. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. Yeah, we're going to talk later about what is not close to sinful, but is absolutely sinful. Dr. Jennifer Bowens will join me for that conversation later. Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs slammed an effort by new superintendent for public instruction, Tom Horn, to empower parents with a hotline to report inappropriate classroom curriculum. This is a tool that that doesn't need to exist, and it's just going to create further division. Quite frankly, I think the superintendent is out of touch of what is really going on in our classrooms. Well, we're going to talk later with Arizona's new superintendent, Tom Horn, joins us on Washington Watch. In the wake of the national elections in Nigeria last month, the violence against Christians continues to grow. Despite the ongoing and systematic violence toward Christians and others in Nigeria, the Biden administration has refused for two years in a row to identify Nigeria as a country of particular concern, or CPC. We're going to talk to former Congressman Frank Wolf, now a commissioner on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, a little later here on Washington Watch. Be sure and visit the website, TonyPerkins.com, contact information for all of our guests and other helpful resources. Our word for today comes from Jeremiah 45. And do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not, for behold, I am bringing disaster upon all flesh, declares the Lord, but I will give you your life as a prize. God tells Baruch, Jeremiah's assistant, put down that book, Seven Steps to Success, because I'm bringing it all down. You want to be accepted, but because of me, you're going to be rejected. You want friends, but my word's going to create foes, but you will prevail. English Bible scholar Matthew Henry wrote this about the passage. The world's frowns would not disquiet us as they do if we did not foolishly flatter ourselves with the hopes of its smiles and court and covet them so much. In Colossians, Paul says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You can join us in our journey through the Bible. Go to TonyPerkins.com. 
The U.S. Department of Justice announced today that it has opened an investigation into the failure of Silicon Valley Bank following the bank's takeover by federal regulators. Now, this comes after the Fed's announcement late yesterday that it has launched a review into the supervision and regulation of the bank. And lawmakers on Capitol Hill are also getting in on the action with Democrats pinning part of the blame on former President Trump. I'm sure before it's over, climate change will be somewhere in the mix of causes. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Warren Davidson, who serves on the House Financial Services Committee and the Select Committee on the Economy. He represents the 8th Congressional District of the Buckeye State. Congressman Davidson, welcome back to the program. Always an honor, Tony. Great to see you. So let me get your response, uh, your thoughts on what has happened over the last few days, beginning on Friday with uh, the Silicon Valley Bank shutting its doors. Now the federal government uh, stepping in with what uh, former FDIC chair Sheila Baer calls a bailout. Yeah, look, the the problem, you know, the, the sort of like the train derailments that happened in Ohio, you know, all the good options go away once the train derails. The, the right thing is keep the train on the tracks. With banks, there's not really supposed to be drama around banks. Uh, and, you know, that's why we have so many regulations around banks. Uh, and where were the regulators? Who was overseeing this? And as you start peeling into the onion, they made some particularly bad decisions at this at Silicon Valley Bank. That's a management failure. It is a regulatory failure. Um, but the other thing is, what caused the run? No one's really looked into the, hey, it, it's because of Twitter. Well, what were they saying on Twitter and why were they saying it? Um, there's two factors there. One is, uh, you know, fear driven, uh, you know, by misinformation. And then the other thing was uh, truth based on interest rate risk management. And that was a particular failure at this bank. They had bought long term bonds when interest rates were really low. And when there was a demand for cash, that's what that's the part of why were people demanding cash all of a sudden. Um, then they, they had to sell these bonds at a discount. Uh, and then once that became public, that they were taking a big loss on selling these bonds, uh, then it pushed even more people to ask for their cash out of the bank. $42 billion withdrawn in 36 hours, uh, you know, pretty overwhelming for a bank with only $200 billion in assets. When you look at government action, and as I mentioned, some are saying that the, this unprecedented action by the FDIC is, uh, is, is could be problematic itself. If you go back to what you, you were talking about with interest rates, inflation, you know, it was government spending the infusion of, of trillions of dollars into the economy that's, that caused inflation to go up, causing the Fed to raise interest rates, you know, and now the bank having to, sh- to shell, uh, sh- uh, sell short and, and, and at a discount. All of these things have consequences. Are we really thinking through the consequences of the actions that have been taken over the last 72 hours? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the reaction all goes back to part of the recognition of a failure back in 0809 when you created, you know, some banks that are too big to fail, they're going to bail them out. Um, where would people go? Well, they would pull, ban- pull money out of smaller community banks and flee to these banks that are too big to fail. Some of my colleagues think that the solution is to make every bank too big to fail. Uh, and some of us are going, well, how do we go back to the status quo of no bank is too big to fail? You have to take risks. But fundamentally, depositors, that's why we regulate these banks. Depositors shouldn't have to fear that they're going to lose money because we get the regulation right, because the law is good and the regulators are there on the watch. They shouldn't fear for their deposit. 
at least the right thing did happen, whether you look at the FDIC or the Federal Reserve's actions. Uh, I can't say they're good options. They may well be the least bad options uh, because the shareholders did get wiped out. The people that lent money to uh, Silicon Valley Bank got wiped out. So the people who really funded this bank uh, were wiped out. Now, there were some big depositors there, uh, but the people that were standing in line wanting to get their cash out of the bank, wrapping around the block, uh, those weren't like big tech billionaires. Those are you know regular working people that just kind of, hey, what's gonna happen to my money? Uh, and, and they were really worried. So I, I think that you can make the case that the uh, lowest cost to taxpayers was to create stability, make sure there's no fear. And what does the Federal Reserve do? The Federal Reserve lends money to banks. And fundamentally, they're lending money to banks. Now they're taking a risk that they're not gonna get paid back because they're paying face value for the treasuries that they sell. But again, their risk at the Fed isn't like 80%. Their risk is, you know, their, their collateral is the treasury. So whatever that haircut is, five, 10, 20% at most, um, that's the risk to the Federal Reserve. So the least bad option may be what they did. Um, initially, it looks like a lot of the contagion has been contained and the emphasis is on a handful of banks, which is where you would want it, like banks that particularly uh, did a particularly bad job of navigating this interest rate risk. Do the ESG woke policies play into this when you look at uh, the policies of, of this bank? In fact, uh, Silicon Valley Bank did not have a risk uh, as I understand, reading through, did not have a risk officer, but did have a uh, diversity officer. Yeah, they went without a risk officer. Uh, frankly, for most of their hires, all of them were diversity hires. It seems like they, they couldn't get enough uh, wokeness into the bios from uh, some of the things I read. But they went without a risk officer from April till January. Uh, and I think the the ESG kind of kind of agenda uh where did that play we're particularly concerned that it was with the regulators i mean they've been worried more about climate risk and sea levels than about interest rate risk uh you know uh, the immediate problem in the macroeconomic environment we're in today uh, whatever you believe about climate change uh the immediate problem is interest rate risk and silicon valley bank did not navigate that risk at, at all i mean every household i know did something to manage interest rate risk, whether it was a car loan, a mortgage, credit card bills. They navigated interest rate risk better than this bank. Where were the regulators? So were they distracted because of the ESG policies that they were pursuing? Well, that's that's one of the plausible explanations. So we're drafting memos now, uh, subpoenaing and requesting records. Uh, and then also records, were the regulators pressuring them to debank some people? Because if you've heard of Operation Choke Point, there's a big feeling that there's an Operation Choke Point 2.0 going around, a next round of that. They did it under the Obama administration. Even Barney Frank said that his bank, Signature Bank, uh, Barney Frank supported S2155, by the way, the bill that they're all saying it's all oh, it's Trump's deregulation. That was a bipartisan bill. Barney Frank, the Frank part of Dodd Frank, uh, you know, Democrat um, member of Congress when he was in Congress, supported that bill. And he was also on the board at Signature Bank. He's saying that is not the thing. Two things did happen. We did deregulate some banks and some banks failed, but they didn't fail because of, uh, of this deregulation. He's certainly not going to defend Donald Trump, but he is telling the truth on that. So, Congressman, the FBI announcing they're going to be investigating DOJ getting into this. Is that going to interfere with uh, Congress investigating and looking into uh, what took place as it pertains to regulations? 
Well, once we request the documents, they're obligated to hand them over to us. I mean, frankly, we might as well go ahead and subpoena the FBI and get all their stuff. And generally, they want to say, no, it's an ongoing investigation. We can't come in on that. That's a fake line. Any of that can be shared with Congress. And, you know, fundamentally, we need to actually stop allowing that excuse uh, for inaction by the deep state. You know, frankly, the, the lifetime bureaucrats that think they run this city and this country uh, rather than the people that get elected to represent it. These guys haven't been elected to anything. And even when we get uh, elected members in office and we try to shape the organizations, they just say, hey, we'll ride it out. And they kind of yeah. do their own agenda. Uh, and that's not just the FBI, that's across the, uh, across the bureaucracy. I think that's really one of the big problems. Yeah, I've seen this, this pattern has emerged every time since the elections and the Republicans have taken the majority of the House. Every time something comes up, whether it's uh, classified documents or this or that, uh, the, the DOJ jumps in uh, prior to Congress and in, in that excuses, well, it's an ongoing investigation. We can't give you that information. So I, I do hope that you are able to press through and get this information so that, in fact, it is contained and we make sure that uh, we correct uh, whatever led to down this path. Congressman Warren Davidson, always great to see you. Thanks so much for Thank you, uh, joining us. God bless you, and uh, shame on Joe Biden. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. I'm glad you're highlighting his views on transgenderism. We're going to be talking about it a lot later. So, uh, in fact, we'll catch up with you on that as well. Congressman, good to see you. All right, coming up, 90% of the 5,621 Christians worldwide who were killed for their faith last year, you know what country they were killed in? Nigeria. And the killing of a pastor's son on Friday is among the latest in 2023. What's it going to take to turn that country around? We're going to talk with former Congressman Frank Wolf after this. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this Tuesday. The website, Tony Perkins. Observers of the situation in Nigeria have noted how northern Nigeria has become a frontier for Islamic extremist groups, warlords, and violence under the watch of the country's outgoing president, Muhammadu Bahari. In 2020, 5,621 Christians worldwide were killed for their faith. Now, 90% of these killings occurred in Nigeria. According to a January 17th report by Open Doors USA. Now, just this past Friday in Nigeria's uh, Kadua state, uh, armed bandits killed a pastor's son and kidnapped four members of his family, including his wife. So what will it take for the situation in Nigeria to change and to get this administration to take this religious hostility and these attacks on Christians and other religious minorities serious? Joining me now to discuss this is former Congressman Frank Wolf, the author of the 1998 United States International Religious Freedom Act, and he is now a commissioner on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Frank, welcome back to uh, the program. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. Thank you. Now, you, among others for years, have been warning about the deteriorating religious freedom conditions in Nigeria amid the rise of terror groups like Boko Haram and the Islamic State in the Northeast. Uh, the, the previous administration, the Trump administration, for the first time after nearly 20 years of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom advocating for that state to be or that country to be identified as a country of particular concern, it happened, only to see the Biden administration undo it. Um, what did they not see about what's happening in Nigeria? Well, the policy of the Biden administration has been a fundamental failure. Uh, USERF has strongly come out in favor of the country in particular concern, the CPC designation, but also to have a special envoy to go there and be active to really straighten things out, be almost the way that Senator Danforth did, if you recall when President Bush appointed him with regard to Sudan. Uh, I think what it's going to take is for the Congress to really get involved. Uh, I think Chris Smith is resolution. I would urge your listeners to call their congressman, uh, Erico 202 CA4-3121, and say, please support Congressman Chris Smith, Congressman French Hill, Congressman Henry Cuellar, and you, you know them all, Republican and Democrat, resolution that brings this before Congress to tell the administration to do this. But it's been going on for a long while. Uh, the Catholic Church 
the Protestant church just being, I mean, almost every other day there's somebody killed. If this were happening in Sweden or Norway, the world would be up in arms. This happened in Nigeria and they're not doing anything about it. And keep in mind, in the year 2050, Nigeria will have more people in Nigeria than we have here in the United States. It's the largest country now in Africa. Yeah, 220 million people. The the destabilizing of Nigeria could have geopolitical implications for all of the African continent, even over into Europe. It, it will. So goes Nigeria. So goes certainly Western Africa, but I think, quite frankly, all of all of Africa, you know, President Obama missed this. You recall that when Boko Haram kidnapped uh, the young girls, the, the school girls. girls, the school girls. Remember, the Obamas did hashtag bring back our girls. World leaders did hashtag bring back our girls. Obama has said nothing. All those world leaders that had hashtag bring back our girls did nothing. Fifty percent of the girls have not come back. When I was in Nigeria, I spoke with some of the some of the parents they couldn't understand it when they were so pleased when the obamas did this and now nothing has happened and now as you know you adopted leah sherabu the young christian girl who wouldn't renounce her faith she's been gone now for enough for a number of years and yeah. i don't understand what it will take so i think the resolution and the congress is really the answer yeah an administration that cares about this i mean i i pray for leah almost every day and when the trump administration was in uh, in power, the National Security Association, they were actually, uh, agency was actually tracking her. There was hopes at one point that she might be released. Now, there's been a, an election. We have an incoming president. Uh, Bola Tenubu is uh, slated to take over for Buhari in late May. Do you see that? What, what, what implications is that going to have on religious freedom in Nigeria? I don't know, but the people that I know who were there as election observers have not been very in, impressed. So I don't want to pre, prejudge; it's not fair. Um, but they are—they have not been very, very impressed. So we'll see. But we give them millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of aid, and we condition none of it. We have a country with thirty-one trillion dollars in debt. We're giving it to a country that's doing nothing. That people that are violating, they're watching violations. You saw what the Nigerian army did with regard to the, the abortion issue several months ago. So I'm, I, I mean, I guess I want to say I'm hopeful, but I, I, I don't know that it's going to do anything. I think unless America speaks out and Blinken does and President Biden does, frankly, I don't think anything good will happen. That's why I'm putting hope in Congressman Chris Smith resolution with French Hill and Henry Cuellar to pass will send a message to the administration that they then will have to act. Well, having been an appropriator in Congress, is there a way to condition the, the foreign aid funding to make sure that in Nigeria, for instance, that they actually take action? Because a lot of the times what's happening here, it's not government actors that are perpetrating the violence, but the, the government officials are standing by doing nothing. Sure, you could you could you could condition it. You could you could cut it. You could do a lot of different different things. Uh, the Congress has. That's why I don't have any. I mean, with all due respect, I don't have any hope now that the Biden administration will do anything unless the Congress kind of forces them to, to do something better. But yes, the Congress could condition the aid. 
there's a lot of things that could be done. But I mean, and also, Tony, where is the U.S. Institute for Peace? I mean, the U.S. Institute for Peace has that big building uh, down on the mall, and I haven't heard them speak out. But let's hope Congress passes that and forces the administration to do something about it. Uh, we will work to that end. Congressman Frank Wolf, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate all that you've done for those persecuted around the globe. Thank you, Tony. All right, coming up, Arizona's Department of Education has launched a hotline for concerned citizens to report public school lessons that are inappropriate. And, as you can imagine, some on the left, well, they're not too happy. You know, what is it? They just don't want parents to know what's going on in the classrooms. Well, fortunately, when it comes to education in Arizona, there's a new sheriff in town. He joins us next. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Arizona's Department of Education has launched an empowerment hotline for concerned citizens, for parents, to report public school lessons that are inappropriate and detract from teaching academic standards. You know, sounds like something all parents would be for, but Arizona's Democratic governor, Katie Hobbs, says the effort is an attempt to fearmonger and will drive a wedge between teachers and students as well as families. This is a tool that that doesn't need to exist, and it's just going to create further division. Quite frankly, I think the superintendent is out of touch of what is really going on in our classrooms. I wonder who's out of touch. Does Governor Hobbs believe that there's nothing inappropriate being taught in public school classrooms, or does she believe that parents should not have a way to do something about these things when they do come up? 
Well, joining me now to discuss this is Tom Horn, Arizona's new superintendent for public instruction, who has launched the hotline. Superintendent, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. So the governor says the hotline is not needed, but I think you have a different view. Tell us about it. I do. Uh, the, the hotline is for people to report teaching that uh, focus on race or ethnicity uh, rather than individuals and merit. It's it's a, a little description of critical race theory, but people always, when you say critical race theory, want you to define it. So I defined it in in the in that uh, hotline, uh, promoting gender ideology, social emotional learning that is that detracts from academics, and inappropriate sexual con conduct content, inappropriate sexual content. So uh, that is that is what we want people to tell us about. Um, it is needed. Um, during COVID, parents were able to see what their kids were learning because it was online and they could see it on their laptops. And um, and they were outraged by, outraged by what they saw. And they, they went in large numbers to school board meetings. And these were not people who want to uh, protest. Uh, they felt compelled to because they, uh, they, they were outraged by what they saw. And I agree with them. I, I urged them to be civil when they went to the school board meetings, but I agree with their outrage. Now, you were just elected to superintendent of instruction, and you've traveled the, the state. And this was an issue that you talked about in the campaign. It was something that the people and the voters wanted, is it not? Absolutely, yes. Um, now, I was just elected, but I served as state superintendent of schools from 2003. I was elected in 2002 till 2011. Then I was attorney general, and now I'm uh, superintendent of schools again. When I announced I would run for superintendent of schools, my friend said, Tom, you're going backwards. You were the attorney general. And my response to that was uh, the big problems are in the schools. And that's really what I want to work on. Well, we've seen that all across the country. And we've seen parents, as you talked about, the silver lining, I think, to uh, to COVID was that parents actually saw what was happening in the classrooms. And this is relative. I mean, I would say this really began to move forward during the Obama administration, where we saw a lot of these things uh, really percolate uh, downward from Washington, as well as coming up from college campuses. I mean, look, parents are paying for education. They're the ones that's their tax dollars. Should they not have a voice in what's happening in the classroom? Yeah, they should. Uh, there was a candidate for governor in Virginia who said parents should not have input into their kids' education. So the parents saw to it that he had no input into the kids' education. <laughs> that is so true. He did. Uh, and Governor Yunkin, who is now the governor of Virginia, has made education a central point of his administration, making sure that parents do have a voice in that education. So um, I know we, we played the response from the governor. What response have you been getting from parents uh, after announcing this hotline? Well, uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, positive response, and I've also gotten a lot of hate mail. Hate mail, but I'm used to hate mail. I got that all through the campaign, and I just ignore it. So, where, where's the hate coming from? It's not. Is it coming from parents? No. I, well, you never know. But a lot of people identify them as teachers, and then they throw the f bomb at me. So I don't know that they're very good role models as teachers. Uh, but uh, I'm sure I get it from other people as well. Uh, it's a it's a polarizing issue, but. You know, I had to decide. I was very upset about what was going on in the schools, and I had to decide what I sit at home and have smoke come out my ears or what I get out there and do something. I decided to get out there and do something, and I'm determined to fight against uh, critical race theory and, and excessive social-emotional learning and 
sexual content and the things that don't belong in our schools and that are having a very negative poisonous effect, in my opinion. So uh, have you had conversations with any of your counterparts in other states that are contemplating an empowerment line like this as well? A lot. Yeah, a lot of people have contacted us from other states because we're the first in the country. Uh, Well, not on the empower line, uh, actually on empowerment scholarship accounts, parental choice, we're the first in the country. Right. On the uh, on the empowerment line, uh, not that much from other states. Uh, some I'm told there's somebody in North Carolina who's a big fan of what I'm doing and says they need someone like me in North Carolina. Well, I hope other states uh, will take your example and follow it because we need a way for parents to to have input into the process. Uh, Absolutely, and we we got to get the nonsense out of there, and we got to get the academics up. The test scores are at the bottom of the barrel uh, under my predecessor who emphasize things like social emotional learning and critical race theory. I'm emphasizing academics. We've got to get the kids to learn yes. more and get their test scores up so that they can compete in an internationally competitive economy. That's right. We need to focus on those things that are essential. Superintendent Horn, great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to join us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on with you. All right. You know what? I think schools would be doing so much better if they focused on the ABCs and not the LGBTs. You know, focus on those things which are essential. That's what test scores continue to plummet as they focus on all these things that are non-essential. It's more indoctrination, leading our children astray. Speaking of that, President Biden does, doesn't seem to think that murdering unborn babies is sin, homosexuality is not sin either. So what does he think is sinful? Well, we're going to talk about it after the break. Dr. Jennifer Ballance joins me here on Washington Watch, so stay tuned. More Washington Watch straight ahead. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. 
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Tuesday. The website is TonyPerkins.com. And by the way, if you're not a part of our Bible reading plan, I invite you to join us. You can find out more about the plan at TonyPerkins.com or FRC.org slash Bible. Every morning at 844 a.m. Eastern Time, you can join me on Facebook or at TonyPerkins.com for a daily devotional based on the passage for the day. Again, you can find that at TonyPerkins.com. All right, if you want to know uh, what sin is, speaking of the Bible, you should check the Bible or with a Bible-preaching pastor. Just don't check with President Biden. On last night's episode of Comedy Central's The Daily Show, the president was asked about the soon-to-be-enacted bill in Florida that would protect children under the age of 18 from harmful transgender, irreversible medical procedures. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, what, what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. Let me tell you what's cruel is taking impressionable children indoctrinating them with a godless ideology that says they're just here by chance, not created by God in his image, and that they can define their own gender, even though it's biologically fixed, and then lead them down a path of getting surgeries that are irreversible, that lead them to a lifelong use of drugs to try to suppress their natural body, leading to emotional issues, psychological issues, increased risk at suicide. That's sinful. To lie to children and play a game with the minds of children, that is sinful. Well, joining me now to, uh, to discuss this more, Dr. Jennifer Bowens, who is our director of the Center for Family Studies. Jennifer has extensive clinical and research experience working with survivors of trauma and abuse and has also taught on psychological trauma and research methods in several graduate programs uh, in the United States. Jennifer, welcome back to Washington Watch. 
It's good to be with you, Tony. All right. First, uh, your reaction to President Joe Biden calling this common sense bill in Florida close to sinful. It's a really interesting use of language, isn't it? Um, you know, my, my psychoanalytic colleagues uh, would have had a field day <laughs> with this language um, because it speaks to what's perhaps going on inside of President Joe Biden. Um, does he really somewhere inside of him, does he believe that this is sinful and cruel and he can't stand that and he's projecting it onto the to the population that's actually trying to protect children? Um, it, it's it's interesting from the psychological standpoint, but also I would say just in the use of sin, um, that language of sin, what is sin? Sin is simply missing the mark, and we need a Savior to help us make the mark and to hit the mark because we can't achieve that aside from a Savior. So here you have someone who's saying um, protecting children uh, through through these bills like Florida is actually missing the mark, but but he's the one who's missing the mark here. And everything that we're trying to do is is for the benefit of kids. And uh, so it, it, I'm, I'm fascinated by the use of religious language in this because it speaks to how much this battle, it, how much they're losing this battle, that we have to draw in uh, religious connotations to make it sound better or sound more compassionate. Than it, but, than it actually is. It actually but, is cruel. But Jennifer, doesn't it also speak to the spiritual nature of this battle as well? That uh, we we see this language, it just it it comes up because this is. I mean, we're spiritual beings, and and this has spiritual implications. Yeah, this absolutely has spiritual implications. I mean, when you think about if we just step back for a moment and we think about what are we what are we trying to achieve here? We're told that all of these gender transition procedures are to help a mental health issue. They are to help people who are self-harming, who have all kinds of psychiatric issues, and that if we just give them hormones or uh, surgical procedures to align with that psychological identity, then everything is going to be better. But I've never in my whole time of practice or research have I ever seen the level of um, political power, political effort and finance to go into something as a, as a treatment. I mean, we can look at the DSM, look at any issue. Have, has there ever been such a political battle over, over something like this? And that's where we have to step back and say, this is actually a very spiritually laden issue because in the natural, it doesn't make much sense. Right. Well, because we don't treat anything else like this when 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 a child uh, and, and I'm telling the child, these are these are children under the age of 18 when they have uh, this gender dysphoria, they, they, they're, they're confused about their gender. We now have only one choice for them. And that is because in many places it's now either against guidelines or against the law to provide counseling to that child to help them work through that. So the only other option is just leave them you know, you let them flounder or you lead them down this path of gender treatment uh, where you either do the, the hormone treatments or you do the surgeries. Yeah. And and it's such a disservice to these folks uh, who, who incidentally are dealing with spiritual issues 
and um, psychological issues. You know, we we have to think about the the way that these kids get pulled into gender ideology is very different than it was, you know, um, say 10 years ago. This is a whole new population, and we have a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, just from a research standpoint, we have unanswered questions about who these people are. Certainly from the spiritual side, we can we can look and we see the active attempts to pull kids in in every angle, whether it's through the schools, through the social media. Um, I, I, one of the things that the president said is, you know, nobody wakes up one morning and just decides that they're going to be um, identify as a, as a trans person. Well, actually, that's 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 what's not happening. True. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and and we don't we don't have uh, certainly we don't have scientific data on that, but we can see from a spiritual standpoint there is some kind of wave sweeping over this land, um, over our nation. And thankfully, we, we're seeing other nations pull back from from this spiritual and psychological wave but we are we are embracing it and we have leadership that is running wholeheartedly after it when we have other so many other issues going on it it makes you think why on earth in the midst of economic shakings and other things going on why is this the number one right. issue now and, it and is the number important. it's the number one issue at the federal level but at the state level, it, it's not. You Actually, this is where you're getting the pushback, and they don't like this. In fact, the, part of uh, the president's comments yesterday or last night was that he wants to pass legislation like he did on same-sex marriage to basically punish people who don't go along with this agenda. And they, as you talked about earlier, there is a, a, a strong reaction to this. Uh, they're angry or maybe caught off guard, but angry that there are state legislators who are offering this type, the types of legislation we're talking about here in Florida. I mean, you've testified in various states about this. Uh, one of the articles from uh, CNN saying that 385 bills, they say targeting LGBTQ rights, but many of these states, more and more states, are passing these prohibitions against uh, against um, surgical experimentation on minors. So, uh, what what's so bad about this bill in Florida? What does it do? I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's like the other bills. Explain to our viewers what it does. Yeah, it. What we're seeing in Florida and, and other places is just it's a very reasonable approach. If you're 18, you know, you can make decisions about your health care at that time. But when you're a minor, uh, we, we are going to protect you from radical uh, surgical procedures or hormonal um, uh, um, drugs in your body that could potentially affect your physiology and, and I would say, psychological uh, growth and development as well, and obviously spiritual but um, this is just a common sense approach. For one, we're using these procedures without a clear um, scientific link that they have an impact on on someone's psychological well-being. You can't establish that just based on the methods alone. So this just says these bills are just saying we're going to wait. Um, there isn't enough data to support these practices, and um, and, and we're not going to let minors uh, be experimented on. And that's just simply 
that's simple common sense. I mean, we know this about about the neurological development. And and interestingly enough, I mean, some of the the psychological structures that are that require the most development um, are the the places where we're affected by mental health issues. So the limbic system. Um, there are other um, delicate structures in, in the person's neurology that are impacted that aren't developed until the person's about 25 years old. So here we are imposing these kinds of things that we don't even know the psychological ramifications that can have on someone's physiology at, mixed in with their psychology. But and we're it, just saying, let's just unleash this on kids. Isn't that why we, we have restrictions on when, you know, you have to get a parent's permission to get a tattoo uh, you know, we don't let kids under 18 buy cigarettes. They can't buy alcohol. You know, they, you know, you, there's limits on when they can drive. I mean, there's all kinds of restrictions because they are developing and they they will make choices. I mean, you think about it. If you if you want to compare getting a tattoo because you say, well, that's gonna that could be there for life. Well, I mean, if you cut off healthy body parts, those are gone for the rest of your life. Right, and and again. When we step back from this and we, we look at how this defies our, our regular practices and approaches to medical science or psychological care, then we have to wonder what else is going on here. And there is certainly a spiritual dynamic that is blinding uh, people's eyes. And, and we also have to remember, too, that uh, there, there's a whole structure in place that is affirming this practice yeah and it is putting pressure on the providers so um there is that that spiritual element but there is also this um a system at play you know when you look at psychologists or or therapists who have their license at stake and their their um, professional ethics dictate that they affirm um, a transgender identity, and then you have the researchers that can't get grants unless they're doing research that uh, is with the current narrative. Um, so it's an all-out effort. Feeding each other. It's an all-out effort to push this agenda. So, so Jennifer, before we run out of time, I always like to ask this question when we're talking about this topic because we do get a lot of calls, emails from parents, grandparents, who. You know, like we just said earlier, they did wake up one day and they just said, "You know what? I, I feel I'm I'm a boy or I'm a girl when they're the biological opposite." What should a parent do? What what should, how should a parent approach parent approach this? Yeah, I just talked to a parent today, and and one of the things that um, he what I was impressed with with this parent, he said, "You know, I have an open dialogue with." with my kids. Um, they can share anything with me. And and I think that's, I know that sounds very simplistic, but I think that's a really good starting place is that we create a space where our, our kids aren't afraid to tell us anything. You know, that, that nothing is off the table. And, and we, it's not that um, we avoid giving instruction, but we wanna make sure that there is enough room yeah. for them to express opinions and to be heard on things that maybe we disagree with and to just let and say, you know, let's take that to prayer. Let's, let's talk more about that. And uh, sometimes, you know, as, as Christians, we can just uh, try to 
convert people quickly and or convert them to our ideas quickly. And I think sometimes people just need space to to process. And, and remember that when we pray, th- something happens and that whether someone is in our presence or not, as we pray, we are affecting change in our world and in our, with our kids. So we can't ever forget the power of prayer. Right. And, and, and love our kids, you know, that open dialogue and, and let them know that we love them unconditionally. Now, that does not mean we affirm every decision that they make. There's been this, uh, we've conflated the two terms. We can, we can and should love our children unconditionally. And in fact, love everyone unconditionally. But we, we cannot affirm every choice that individuals make, nor the, the, the choices that our children make. Uh, Jennifer, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Tony. All right. Uh, for to find out more, we've got resources available for you. In fact, uh, coming out, we have a new, uh, pro- a new publication from our Center for Biblical Worldview that's going to be addressing this issue on human, um, human sexuality. And it's looking at it from a biblical perspective. And so we're going to be talking with David Clawson about that a little bit later in this week. But we're trying to get as many resources into the hands of uh, parents and uh, pastors, Sunday school teachers, to be able to help their kids know the way forward. All right, folks, thank you for joining us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul. You've done everything you can do. Just keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.